Welcome to Amazon Legends, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became power sellers, also providers specializing in helping sellers, aggregators that acquire sellers, and former Amazonians will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here is your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My next guest today is someone everybody needs. Anybody who is private label seller, who needs reviews or ratings on their products, and we all do, needs this guy. So he is a serial entrepreneur that started many businesses, including a bar, a promotional item company, and a real estate company, and built it up to 135 employees. And today he is the CEO and founder of Sellatech, which is a white hat service that removes negative reviews for Amazon sellers. So now you know why you need him. And we're going to learn all about how he does that. And by the way, this is no black hat situation. It's 100% TOS compliant. Now, when he's not working, which is very rare, he likes to buy <laughs> flowers for his wife because he's always apologizing for working too much. But uh, he's really a family person. Uh, it's, that's just part of the joke. So with that, everybody, meet my guest, Shane Barker. Welcome to the show, Shane. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. You, I tell you, we do the intros. You, you make me sound so good, man. I got some big <laughs> shoes to fill. This guy, Shane, sounds like he's done quite a few things and he gives his wife <laughs> flowers. He sounds like a real angel. Well, you know, uh, you remind me of, the, of one of the uh, movies where the husband apologized to the wife and the wife says, why are you apologizing? He says, well, I feel like I must always apologize. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, no, it's it's funny that we do, you know, we talk, we'll talk about this work-life balance. I used to work like 20 hours a day. I've tapered it back now. I'm a little better. I've got, you know, good processes in place, place awesome team in place. And I don't have to buy as many flowers. Now I spend that on dinners and other things. But yeah, I did have a pretty big budget for flowers in the beginning, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure your florist is upset. It, very upset. Yeah, I think during COVID, he was relying on me to, 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 to float his business. And I did that historically. So, yeah. Okay. So I introduce you as someone everybody needs and everybody does need. Uh, everybody does need ratings and reviews on their products. And in fact of life, everybody does get negatives. And I should say three star and down which is not a good thing because we want five star and you remove these negative reviews. And then I also introduced you as hundred percent TOS compliant. So tell us, how do you do this? Yeah, there's really three pillars to this. It's really has to do with the data, the methodology and really perseverance are the, the big things that I'll tie into the service and the software. Okay. So you are going to share with us how you do it, but this is not something only you can do. So anybody listening to the, the podcast can also go in and do it. Of course, execution is key with everything and you know what you're doing. So anybody listening, this is not a tutorial. This is just uh, for something that you become, for you to become aware that this is possible, it is done, but you got to know what you're doing. So we're going to share with you everything and uh, everything that we know, or when I say we know, Shane knows, he'll share with you. And uh, of course, if you get stuck anywhere, he's always there. So 
with that, let's now get into, so you mentioned three components to this, data, methodology, and perseverance. So let's dig into each one. What is the data part? Tell us about that. Yeah, so you're going to appreciate this being a being a, a data guy and having you know a SaaS product. So what we we've done is we've actually collected over the last five years um, pretty much all the reviews on Amazon. So that really is the the differentiator and how we do things. Listen, we don't have any competition. There's nobody you know most sellers that we talk to and say, hey, have you had any success with removing any re negative reviews? Ninety nine percent of them have not. And when we talk about the service. And the software, they go, well, I don't think this is possible. Anything they've ever heard is from a black hat perspective. Well, we're 100% white hat. Once again, what we've done is we started filing cases you know, a, a long time ago and, and really got what I call a big goose egg. We had hundreds of sellers accounts that we were filing cases through and realizing that, hey, there was a, a certain amount, like when we were filing cases and saying, hey, Amazon, we're clearly being attacked, look into this. Amazon wasn't responding to us. And so what we figured is, hey, now we have all this data, how do we make it so that we can feed Amazon through, through the back end, through Seller Central, these cases that are heavy data driven, which means they don't need to go do the research themselves. We're going to provide everything through them for the through the cases, so they can look at it and go, okay, clearly this is true. This is information. They can click on it. They can reference it, and it's easier for them and quicker for them to be able to make a decision. So the data and what we do is is a major major component. Because other than that, it's just speculation. It's emotion. It's you're putting some cases out there, and really Amazon is not going to respond to it unless you give them something full, something they can look at and they can approve or not approve. Okay, so there's a few things that I picked up in everything you mentioned that I'd like you to clarify. First of all, um, I heard you mention you collected five years of data. What data have you collected over the last five years? Yeah, so we collect the reviews, all of the reviews on all the products. So we've, we've been collecting that for about five years. The reason why we were doing that eight was because, you know, we used to be sellers ourselves. And so we would, you know, obviously have that information for ourselves to be able to file cases. Um, once again, we were filing cases like every seller does very emotional. Hey, you need to take this down, not including all the data that we actually had. And so we realized because we were getting attacked, we were in the heavy in the supplement industry, um, we were suppliers. The, the issue with that was, is that we were getting attacked on a daily basis. We would file cases Amazon wouldn't respond. So that's really what sparked us to go, okay, hey, we really need to kind of take a look at this and see what we can do, what will make Amazon respond. And that's really, once again, the data behind it to be able to, to lay it all out for them, for them to be able to see what's going on. Okay. So if the listeners wanted to download, get this data, what data are you collecting? Are you getting the reviewer who, who reviewed it? And what is the review, what rating, and is that, and the date, and, and so on and so forth. Is that what you are collecting? Yeah, we're collecting all of the, all the reviews. So all the ratings and stuff. So they have to be reviews. So they have to actually physically have some, some, some text in there. The reason why that is, is because that's what we base. The software that we created is based off of Amazon's terms of service. So it needs to be in somehow violation of the terms and service. So we don't do ratings, but we definitely do reviews. I see. Okay, so you are you are collecting the review data, and by specific reviewers, right? So yeah, by and and of course you say you collect all the reviews. That means all the ASINs, all the reviews for all the ASINs. Uh, as far as someone who is selling in, let's say, for example, toys category, they don't really need the reviews on any other category, they just need the reviews for the toys category, right? 
That's exactly it. Yeah, they just really need to collect as much information as possible. The idea of this is if you feel like you're being attacked and if you can go and, and reference the data that will back up what your claims are. I and mean, that's really what it comes down to is so you, there's a lot of softwares you can use where you can go and, and find out maybe who the buyer is. And there's different ways to do that. We obviously have our own techniques for doing that. We have our, our software, obviously, that does it. But yeah. um, what I would recommend is that, you know, if you're a, a seller, you really want to know the data, right? The data is really the key to everything that you've got going on. So what we do is, you know, there's softwares you can go and take a look at once again, who are the, the, the buyers are. You know, some of the things that we look at, and we'll talk about this a little further on, is about, you know, yeah, I mean, you have your reviews, right? If you get one one star a day, and then all of a sudden you got 10 one stars a day, what does that look like? And we'll kind of go into that methodology and, and kind of what that looks like in regards to filing yeah. the cases and getting, you know, getting some wins there. Okay. So in essence, the data source is the review data that includes the buyer's ID and the review that they, they posted. And the rating, you don't collect the rating, but it's because of the rating that they assigned review matters, right? Because the rating gives you that number. So uh, anything that is three star and down, you are fetching the data, uh, you're fetching the review and the buyer on, on the ASINs that particular uh, buyer left. Is that the case? That's exactly it. So I'll give you an example. So like we talked about the one star review and then I said like, let's say you get one one star on average a day. Let's just say that's your average. And then all of a sudden you get 10 one stars in a day, assuming that it's not prime day or you know seasonal product that just, just took off. So what we do is we take a look at that. So with the data we go and we say, okay, we have you know Bob the buyer, right? So Bob the buyer came and purchased a product from you. And what is the probability that Bob gave you a one-star review? Well, it's about a 20% chance, right? You got one, two, three, four, five. So about a 20% chance. And what we look at because of the data, we go, okay, so Amazon, what is the probability that Bob would come and buy a second product from us? Apparently he didn't like the first one, but Bob loves to buy bad products that he doesn't like apparently. And he buys a second one from us, right? And then he gives us a one-star review. And what's the probability of him buying a second one? And then a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one and a 10th one. Well, the probability is zero. Like we don't, we don't like bad products, right? We're not going to continue. We're not going to buy 10 bad products. It just doesn't make sense. We're not going to buy three bad products. So in theory, after one or two times, we've learned our lesson. We're not going to keep banging our head against the wall, especially if there's other competitors and other options. So that's what we do. That's an example of a case of saying, hey, Amazon, the probability of this is literally zero. So you, what you should do is take down that buyer's account. And what's crazy about that is, for our clients, you know, we take down the buyer's account. So give you an example, if you're in the supplement industry. So we take down that buyer's account and those are all 10 one stars for you. The person who probably hired them, they also hired them to do five stars for their account. So it takes down the five stars from their account and takes down the one stars from your account. And so you can see a, a big swing in the BSR and also in your ratings as well. I see. Okay. So you, you just shared something else. You are not only looking at the the reviews and the, and the ratings that that particular buyer left but you are also looking at the order count for that buyer with your with with, with your uh, listing so now if you have a problem with my product why would you keep buying it right that's the point you're making i said look at the data you know this guy bought five times and then he left a one star rating every time 
it doesn't make sense, right? Like, it's like, we all look at it, but the, the thing is when we get attacked, we know in our heart that we're being like, there's something going on, something fishy going on. But if you don't have the data, it's hard because you just go, hey, Amazon, I think there's somebody, something going on here, look into it. Amazon's not gonna look into that, right? They don't have the time for that and the resources. So what we do is we pull all that information for them. So once again, all they have to do is review that. There, there's that, some other things that we look at too is root overlap is another one that we look at. So give you an example if somebody wrote, this is the worst product in the world with three explanation marks. And there's five buyers that wrote that exact same thing. What's the probability when you have eight words in three explanation marks, the exact same thing, it's pretty much zero. Now, if you wrote great product with one explanation mark, that's more common, right? Because people write great product, whatever, or bad product, maybe. But when you have this, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 words. And so we, we look, there's a, this is what we've done. The, uh, every way that we got attacked on our listings, we knew it was Black Hat. We reverse engineered it and figured out what they were doing. And then we figured out how to figure it out and, and put that into the software. So that's what we did. Every time we got attacked, we said, okay, what did they do here? How did they do it? And how can we reverse engineer this and be able to educate Amazon that this is going on? Because I do believe Amazon knows this is going on, but they, they've got a million other things. They're you know, obviously budget cuts and they letting people go. I mean, there's, there's some things going on. Not that Amazon's going anywhere by any means, but you get my point. Like, there's certain things that they're going to focus on. And you saying, hey, look into this is not probably their top priority. So what we did is we made it our top priority to create some software that can look at this and reverse engineer it and figure it out and just give it to Amazon and say, hey, you don't need to do any research. Like I've already done the research for you. I've given you everything you need here. And all you need to do is go and make a great decision. Yeah. And also this speaks to what Amazon cares for the most. And that's the customer experience, right? So if you have a buyer who is doing this thing uh, for other sellers and impacting ratings and reviews, that the, the information that is being spread is really disinformation. So it, it, Amazon would not want that. So they would want to put a stop to that buyer's activity. In addition, they would want to make sure that the sellers have accurate information being re represented. And, and you hit the nail on the head. That's really what it comes down to. Like when we file these cases, we've had, you know, we're some of the big, big aggregators and, you know, top sellers. And they're like, is my account ever in jeopardy? And I'm like, no. In fact, Amazon loves it because what we're doing is we're filing cases and saying, hey, this is your terms of service. Clearly, there's something going on here. We're doing the research for them. Like, it's like almost like saying, hey, Mr. Police Officer, here goes this. Here goes pictures of this. This is a guy robbing, taking my car and doing this. This is his address. We're giving them everything. All you have to do is go make the arrest. I and mean, that's really what we're doing. And so we're making it easy for them to be able to go make a great decision. And that's be able to take down either that buyer's account or the review that's obviously hurting the accounts. Yeah. So Shane, for the listener's benefit, I'd like to present a, a different kind of perspective based on everything you said. So when you have a, a, a two-star review, one-star review, or whatever the case may be that you're not happy with, and, and, and you know, you've done your research, you collected the data, and it's, it's not really fair. And it has now grounds for appeal and blah, blah. Instead of going to Amazon and saying, okay, look into this, and then even here is the data, and I want you to remove this. Instead of presenting it that way, present it in a way where so look, we, we've identified and some activity that would like to present the data for you. And this, this activity is impacting customer experience on Amazon. I wanted to bring it to your attention. Here is the data. And then right at the end, and by the way, 
the same buyer also left a one star. Uh, we would like that to be removed if whatever. So you, you're putting the emphasis on customer experience, backing it up with data, and then asking for return and favor for doing that because you are also a victim of that such activity. Putting it that way, I mean, right? That's 100% what we do. That's exactly what it is. It comes yeah. down just to educating Amazon and saying, hey, there's obviously a problem here. Here goes the data to back it up. Because once again, everybody usually, it's emotional, it's this, it's, hey, do this, do this. We're taking that out. We're going, hey, data's data, right? And this is what we have. Here goes the, 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 the information. And sometimes the other interesting thing for us is that we've learned through filing thousands of cases is there's also different departments that you can file with as well, right? So it's not just Seller Central. That's usually where we start, but there's brand registry. There's other ones that, you know, that have, what we've learned is that we file these cases and there's, there's certain ways and certain terminology that they respond to favorably. Um, and so that's actually helped our AI-driven models. We're feeding them these success stories. And so now we're getting better. We know in a review, we look at a review, we know which department is going to have the higher likelihood of it being able to get removed. Yeah. You know what you remind me of? Uh, I was watching one of those Facebook clips the other day, and then I saw an interview with Michael Caine. Mm. And uh, he was asked a question by this interview was um, a long time ago by one of the, the British, you know, talk show guys. Yeah. And, you know, they are a lot more low key, you know, they, it's, it's not for show, but it's real conversation. And uh, he said, tell me about this methodology you have that you apparently use. And it says, uh, so, okay, which, which methodology are you referring to? He says, use the difficulty. He said, oh, he said, so the story goes like this. When he was a young man trying to become, you know, a good actor, uh, he was working on this uh, movie with this, you know, famous actor and well-respected. And it was some kind of a Western kind of stuff. And he says, uh, and he, he's got a problem with a particular scene. And then this guy says to him, what are you doing? Use the methodology. I mean, you use the difficulty. So he says, what do you mean use the difficulty? He says, look, you've got this scene and you're an actor, but you can't be caught acting. You have to look yeah. natural. So he says, whatever it is that you're doing, that is that you're finding difficult, show it instead of trying to act. Yeah. So what you've done is everything that happened to you as a difficulty where you got attacked and you got, and then you reverse engineered it and turned it into something that you can replicate over and over as a methodology. So you turned, you used the difficulty and turned it into a methodology. That's exactly what we did. We, we just, we, because being in the supplement industry, we were getting attacked from all angles. We had a handful of ASINs that were doing really well. We just wanted to like, be quiet, like just kind of get, make our little money. We weren't trying to take over the industry. And then when we started getting attacked and Amazon wasn't responding, that's what we did. We said, okay, what are they doing to attack us? And then how do we make this into a methodology to make this white hat to educate Amazon on what's going on? 
right? So that's what we did. And, and I, I'm not going to tell you it was an easy process, right? I mean, we filed a lot of cases where it was a hot no. I mean, when I started off, when we started off doing this, I had looked into creating a SaaS product. And I wasn't even from the Amazon space when we started working on this. Like I'm from the SEO and influencer marketing. I used to teach at UCLA. Like my background is very different than the Amazon. And so I jumped into this because I talked to consultants and I talked to big sellers and I really wanted to build something on the Amazon space. And and what I kept hearing from everybody was that, hey, you know, these these negative reviews, we can't, the negative reviews are, we can't take them down. Like, you know, if especially if they're they're fraudulent, if there's something fishy going on there. And so right. that's what made me realize it. And when I started hiring my team, you know, they had worked in the supplement industry and says, yeah, we're seeing this as well. And so it just, it was a good merger to, to be able to start creating the software. But like I said, in the beginning, I was, man, spending a lot of money and looking at this thing going, is this thing going to work? You know, my Amazon's still not giving me any love here. And I'm like, man, this has to happen. And so the last few years, we, we were able to, once again, start seeing this work and start, good things are happening now. Yeah. So, okay. So the first part was the data. So we understand the kind of data that gets uh, used in this. So let's talk about the methodology. What is the methodology? Yeah, I mean, there's really a, a method to how we do things. And I think we kind of talked about it a little a little earlier is when we actually grab the reviews. So when we have all the reviews, we create a sheet for the client and the client can go through and look at the different ASINs. Um, one of the things that we do do for, with that is that when we, there needs to be at least 500, one, two, and three star reviews. So you talked about this earlier, the critical reviews, what Amazon calls critical reviews. That could be over one ASIN or multiple ASINs. What we do is when we actually grab those, we actually run, we grab all the, the actual reviews. So the actual verbiage, we run it through our software and the software will give us a probability of us being able to get that, that actual review removed. So, and it also will tell us which departments, it'll also have templates that we've used in the past, but just so everybody knows, like when we run the software, that's obviously off of Amazon. We don't run, when there's no automation on Amazon. So we actually file the cases, humans are filing the cases. So we've trained them up to what to look for. The software gives us the the knowledge and, and the data of like what we've had successes with in the past. And then we build a custom case around that and to be able to file with Amazon. So that methodology has been really interesting in the sense that let's say we do it through Seller Central, right? If we have to, and the, the first person says no, then we escalate it. Great, we can go up the line. If that doesn't happen, then what we can do, which nobody really does is, then what we can do is if they say no to it, because Amazon's very siloed, now what we do is maybe we're going to go to brand registry. And so what we do is we take that same case and we talk about how it's in violation of our brand and different things that are going on. So we, with a piece of data, we know how to file cases differently with each department. And that's only because we banged our head up against a wall thousands of times and got zero success. And then we realized, you know what, maybe it's, we're talking, give me an example. Like when you go to talk to somebody, you know, with, you know, with your wife or whoever that is, is, is that when you say this certain thing, it's probably not going to be favorable. Like we learned this in our minds, you know, like if you go in and you say, Hey, looks like you gained a few pounds. That's probably not recommended. We all, we all would know in our mind, like it's probably not a good thing to say. And so what we do say is, Hey, but I do know if I say, Hey God, you look amazing in that dress as a basic example, that's a better way to handle it. You're going to get a favorable response. Well, that's what we started to do with Amazon and realizing that the way that we file these cases, there's certain terminology we use. It's not legal, but it's strong terminology not threatening Amazon, but once again, just letting them know like, hey, there's something going on here with exactly what you said earlier. It's like, the idea is just they wanna protect the reviews, right? They wanna protect the, the, the buyers and make sure the buyers are happy, the user experience. And so what we're doing is we're preserving that. By filing these cases, we're saying, hey, we know your top concern is this. And if you look at this, 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 and this, and here goes the data to back it up, this is something, this is the reason why it's 
go, you know, it's not my, why it's affecting my brand or why it's affecting the actual platform. There's a lot of different ways that we put it together, but the goal is the methodology is like, once again, there's different things that we try and escalating cases and different things that the methods that we've learned over the years that once again, a lot of people don't do. Most people do one thing and they expect miracles and things to happen with Amazon. And it just doesn't you usually have to file a second case. And there's, you just have to make sure that once again, it's a very robust case that has a lot of information in there. That's all true. Okay. So let, let's say that. So what I'm hearing from you is you gather the data and then it's just a matter of crafting a message and then sending it. And then you try that on seller central. And then also you try it on brand register because it's different departments. Do you do that? At the same time, right after, or only after Seller Central responds a few times? Yeah, we, we usually only file it with one department to start. Um, and then once again, just depends on what we're looking at there. Usually we don't file it twice, you know, give a department a chance because usually the, the department we're filing with is the one that is going to have the highest potential for probability of it being removed, right? Because we know that. We know that, hey, these types of reviews that we've had great successes with this when we use I say a template because obviously we customize it, but at least some verbiage that we know has is, is gotten us favorable results. So we don't file with you know five different you know departments. We start with one department, and then if that doesn't work, then we go to another department, and then you know we we can escalate it. We send it to you know we have different email addresses that we know if people at Amazon if it's really a situation that they're not getting it, you know because it's really affecting the brand. Then obviously there's just certain things that we can do from a methodology side of things, but we usually start with Seller Central is usually where we start. Okay. And when you, in your experience, after you file a case, how many times does it go back and forth before yeah. you have some kind of resolution? Yeah, that's a great question. Most of the time we have to file a second case or have to at least do a follow-up to that. Because what happens is it is usually the first level and think of it's really if you think about even marketing like when you send out you know emails and when you send out said hey you know like give you an example i was just at the prosper show so if i sent out an email and said hey it was great seeing you at the prosper show we should chat most people don't respond until you send a second and a third email right because at that point they want to respond they get real busy and then they get the second one oh shoot i got to make sure i do want to talk to shane i just got busy with everything else right emails or whatever that is so it's the same thing with amazon when we file those cases we know that somebody might not have seen that yet. So we send a follow-up just to make sure that they're just keep it on their radar. And that's usually when we start to get responses. Depending on, depending on the, the, the department, it usually takes two to five days for us to get a response. Um, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more, and then sometimes we have to escalate it. So it's right around that timeline. In the beginning, when we're filing cases, we're not filing you know, 100 cases in a day. We're filing you know, 15 to 20, 25 cases in a day. Once again, we want Amazon getting used to saying yes to us. I, I said that earlier, the 500 minimum, the critical reviews, one, two, and three stars over one ASIN or multiple. The goal of that is to us filing great cases that, that, are, you know, that are easy, that we know we're going to have a high probability. Amazon's getting used to saying yes to us. And then we can file the cases that maybe it's a you know, 60-40 chance or a 70-30 chance. Um, once again, it's going to maybe take a little more work on those sides. Okay. So... At what point do you go to brand registry and also create the case when they say no for good or they are taking their time, but there's still an open case? When, when is the right time? Yeah, usually we're waiting for them to respond. You know, if we don't get a response within a few days then we'll take it over to another department, if we didn't get any response at all, if we feel like there's 
the, a case has been open and we're having an open line of communication, usually within a few days, they'll respond to us. If they don't respond in a few days, we'll give them another opportunity to respond. We'll resp you know, send something to them again. They don't respond and we feel like we've kind of, that well's dry, then we go over and we'll, we'll tap into brand registry or another department. Okay. Um, explain to me that 500 part, because I'm not too clear. So you want to have, so let's say that a seller comes to you and they say, look, I've got this listing. I have uh, 32 reviews. It's a new launch. And I just got hit with this one star review. So uh, how does the 500 rule apply to that? Yeah. So the reason why we do 500 is because, you know, there really needs to be a good sample set for us to start filing cases. So in that situation, so let's say there was only one one-star review, we can't guarantee that we can take that down. And so the amount of effort and time that goes into that would, it would really be unfortunate for us and for the client if we weren't able to take that down. So really what we do is there needs to be 500 because we know in that 500 that we can start filing some cases and we'll start seeing some reviews being removed and then the client will start to see some traction there. So that's what we're looking at. Now I will tell you, our heart is with the smaller sellers as well, right? Like I get it. Like when you put all this time and money into a launch and then you get one one-star review that just crushes your whole launch. We are behind the scenes working on some stuff to be able to help those types of sellers. We're actually working on an actual SaaS product um, that will be able to help the people that have less than 500 reviews because, but for right now with what we do, you know, it, it's, it has to have, it has to have a good sample set of, of, for, of reviews for us to be able to go after, because once again, we're piling the low hanging fruit, the ones that are going to be easier to win, to get Amazon seeing the cases, knowing that we file good cases, you know, knowing that we, we, you know, when we file that we're serious, that we have great information there. So that's the reason why we have to have that type of sample set. I have had a few agencies that have said, Hey, I've got this one client has this one review. I know if you're a seller, there's always this one review that keeps you up at night that you wake up in the middle of the night, you can't get it out of your head. It's somebody that went and bought a you know a product. It's a red product. And you're like, okay. And they complained that it was red, but they could have bought an orange product. And that wasn't your fault, right? Like that's not your fault, right? They just bought the wrong product. So we're working on something like that. It'll be probably a few months, but we definitely have something like that where it'll be, they won't have to have 500, you know, minimum critical reviews, one, two, and three stars. But right now that's the, that's the minimums that we have. So otherwise the 500 rule you have is, so basically the, the rule is uh, in order for you to handle a seller, you expect them to have 500 reviews collectively across all their listings or on one listing only? It can be multiple listings. So when we say 500, it's also just critical reviews, one, two, and three stars. So it can be one ASIN, two ASINs, three ASINs, four ASINs, because we're filing it all through the, the back end of their account. So it doesn't, it can be multiple ASINs. So that's the thing. It can be 20 ASINs. It could be one ASIN. It really doesn't matter to us. So you, in order for this to work, they need to have 500, one, two, or three star reviews. Yeah. And when I say 500, it could be 480 or something. The, the thing is, it, it doesn't like if, you know, if you had 499, it's not like we couldn't work together. But the goal is, is to have a good sample set for us to go after once again, because we want to show traction for our clients. And the only way they're going to see traction is when those one, two and three stars start melting off and they're doing four and five stars and they'll start seeing an uptick in sales or see their BSR do better. Really, for me, it's not just to like I, I've had clients come to us and say, hey, we want to go after this. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm looking at it. 
And I, I just don't know if they're going to get a lot of traction, right? Because there's maybe not enough four and five star reviews and there's tons of one, two and three stars. And I'm going to say, listen, I can do this and I can take these, you know, remove these reviews and or have Amazon do it after filing cases. But what is your goal, right? When we talk about what the goals are, that's one thing that we look at is like, do we think that's going to, you're going to get traction? Because I don't want to just collect money, right? Like, yeah, I, I want to, I want you to get traction because guess what happens when you get traction, you're going to go 12, 20 other sellers. So for us, it's not just a like, hey, let's come collect your money. Sorry, nothing good happened. Like we actually evaluate things. Like I want people to go, this is the most amazing service and I saw some traction. So that's what we do is we look at this and say, what do we think the probability is, is that you're going to be able to, you know, get up to the 4.2 or 4.3. We can't promise that because there's, you know, Amazon weighs a lot of different things when it comes to what that looks like. But for us, we want to be able to at least eyeball check it and look at it and say, you know what? We think there could be some traction here. I can't guarantee you that you know how many reviews you're going to need to remove to get to that next step. But we do know there's a, that from what we've seen historically that you know you, we're going to be heading in the right direction. We all know taking down or removing negative reviews and getting more four and five star reviews will absolutely help your BSR and will absolutely help sales as well. Yeah. So if for somebody to have 500, one, two, or three star reviews, they have to have like a, a like several thousand four or five star reviews because otherwise their listing would be suppressed. It would be substandard. And I'm sure that Amazon is not going to let that listing live too long. So does that mean that for somebody to come to you, for you to be able to help, they have to have altogether somewhere around two, 3,000 reviews at the very least, 500 of which is one, two, or three star review. Would that be a fair assessment of what yeah. is a good? I mean, for us, and once again, we would love to see you know more, as many more four or five star reviews as possible, because once again, that means that when we take these one, two, and three stars down, that 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 tip is going to be even bigger, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what we're looking for. Once again, it's like if it was even amounts of one, two, and three stars and four and five stars, it's going to take a lot more, right, to be able to tip if we're taking down the one, two, and three stars to for us to be able to get that going. So that's what we look at is say, okay, what do we think is going to happen here? And we always recommend, you know, with strategic partners to get the four and five stars, right? We really want to do both. It's like, it's like going to the, it's like going to losing weight, right? Like if you go to the gym and you eat right, then you're going to lose weight faster. If you just go to the gym or if you just eat right and you don't go to the gym, it's a two-pronged effect, right? So if you can do both, that's obviously going to get the most traction for you. Well, I got news for you. Going to the gym has nothing to do with losing weight. In fact, you gain weight. You know why? Because you gain because, muscle. No, no, not that only. Well, that all also, but that's not <laughs> the primary reason why you yeah. gain. Uh-oh, why is it? You go to the gym, first of all, you are sweating, you're you are active, like you're burning energy, you yeah. gain muscle, of course. But your appetite improves, you start eating more. <laughs> I get it. So that's that's why for me, I just drive by the gym, right? Because I don't want to be more hungry, right? So I figured that now I haven't lost any weight, but I haven't gained any weight, right? So I'm usually driving by the gym and going to eat. So that's probably what the what the downside is. But maybe one day I'll stop in the gym and make it happen. If you walk by the gym, then you know you may lose it. <laughs> yeah, I'll try that. I'll let you know if I walk by the gym and I start losing some weight. Reminds me of the joke. This this guy uh, is is teaching his little boy, you know, to be business minded. And he says, "Look, you know, there are ways to save money. You know, if, like something that you do 
you know, every day and you, that costs you a dollar, if you figure out a way to, to get it for free, then, you know, you'll be saving money. So yeah. you save a dollar here, a dollar there, you make, you make a lot of money. And uh, so one day the kid comes back from school and says, hey, dad, uh, I, I, I made a dollar today. Uh, so he says, how? So what? Because I saved a dollar that you told me, you know, if I say that, it's like making money. I says, okay, so how did you do that? Well, instead of taking the bus and paying for a dollar, I just ran after the bus. So he, he, he gives him a big slap over his head and says, you stupid boy, what are you doing? And uh, running after the bus to save, to make a dollar. And he goes, well, why? What, what did I do wrong? Well, instead of running after the bus, running after a cab would have, would have made you 10 bucks because. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. A 10 times, same effort and 10 times the effect. I like that. So you're running, so you may as well run after the freaking cab. <laughs> And that's, so, that's, okay. that's actually how I could lose weight. I thought about that. If I walk in front of the gym and the sales guy comes out, then I'm going to have to run so he doesn't catch me. So then maybe that is a way I could lose weight. We'll, we'll test that. I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, don't take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so that means then tell me for someone who is looking to do this. So because your methodology and your data-driven approach, those are legitimate things for people to do. So for someone who does not have 500, uh, one, two, or three-star reviews, who does not have a, a few thousand reviews collectively, uh, but they've got a, a handful of listings, two, three listings, and they've got maybe a couple of hundred list, uh, reviews, or let's call it even 50 reviews, or 50 to 100 reviews, most of which are good, and they've got a handful of negative reviews, you know, one, two, or three star. What is your experience? And therefore, what is your recommendation for those who do the work, gather the data, collect, and then see about that particular buyer, what other reviews they left, and then blah, 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 and then make a case with Amazon. And tell us your take on this. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think what needs to happen in that situation is once again, we talk about the data-driven stuff, collect as much information as possible. Once again, Amazon is not lazy, but you want to present all the information to them, right? All, anything you can do to back up what your case would be. So when you think about your going to, like, give you an example, you go in front of a judge, you have a, a, a ticket, you can, the idea that you don't just go in front of the judge and go, yeah, I'm not guilty. And the judge goes, okay, why not? And you're like, I don't know, because I'm just not guilty. Like you have to have something to back that up, right? Like what is going to get Amazon to react? And so what we've historically done, I talked about earlier, is we write an emotional email. Hey, Amazon, this is ridiculous. Hey, we're being attacked. Please look into this. Amazon's not going to respond to that. So what we do is instead of Amazon leaving it on them to do the research and figure it out, we have to figure out what we have on our side data-wise and, and for the other softwares that could get us to file a case. Because what we care about is Think about what does Amazon want to see? What is going to get Amazon to react? And what Amazon wants to do is protect the platform, right? They want people to, if, if people don't believe in the reviews on Amazon, guess what happens? They're at Walmart. I mean, that's what would happen, right? I mean, if you don't believe in what they've got going on there. So Amazon wants to protect that. And so what you need to do is educate Amazon with as much information as you can to educate them on how you were attacked, what happened, here goes this, take a look at this here. I mean, I, I know people that have, you know, found buyer's accounts and found out who owned the buyer's accounts and, you know, found out that it was a competitor. I mean, there's, there's 
you just have to drill a little bit deeper. Amazon's not gonna do the research for you, right? So you have to figure that out on your side. Um, and we've actually we've actually put out like things on, on how people can do this on their own, which if you know if anybody wants to know that, I mean, I, I would be willing to that with like PDFs and stuff like that. Because once again, I don't, the people that have under 500, we still want them to, to be able to clean up their accounts, right? We don't, that's our software currently isn't able to do that because we have that minimum, but we definitely want to help. Like the goal at the end of the day is to help sellers because it's, we have enough that we have to deal with, right? Like the ongoing changes in Amazon and Amazon does what Amazon needs to do best for Amazon, but you know, affecting us as sellers, we got to figure out what we need to do. So we're here to help really anybody. I mean, if you're, if you don't have, you have less than 500, you can reach out to me and we can, I'll get you that PDF that we've got. And once again, they can take a look at that as well. Okay. So for anybody listening, you know, reach out to Shane and he will share with you the, the best practices, the methodology and everything. If you don't have, 500 plus critical reviews. So great. So as far as the perseverance part of your third piece of your uh, approach is basically staying on top of it, you know, just you're not going to get a, a resolution after one or two responses. What I want to learn from you is escalation. So do you ever escalate? We do. We do. Depends on, like I said, if we go through Seller Central and you know somebody doesn't give us a favorable response and we feel like there's a high probability that it should be removed, then we will escalate. Absolutely. We have different, either that same department, we have other departments so we can escalate things. Just depends on what the review says and how we've built the case out and, and the amount of information that we have and what type of information. Because once again, each department kind of responds differently to different types of data. And how do you escalate? Because when you go to Amazon, you know, you, you you just go to your help and then they ask you to drill down category by category. And then mm -hmm. one of those categories is going to be associated with the review. Can you share with us which which category would be best for filing for these reviews? Yeah, so we're filing the reviews. And once again, they're all done through Seller Central. So that's will be. So what would happen is we actually would create an email address and we actually would file the cases um, for the client. So in other words, it all would come in through us. So we would file those cases and they would see that in the back end of Seller Central. And then obviously in the back end, you can escalate the cases from there. There's a number of different ways to do it. We have other email addresses that we that we have at Amazon that we historically have used. So it just depends once again on where we're filing and, and what that looks like in regards to an escalation. Okay. The, as far as creating the case, because the case creation, creation uh, originates in the help area where you are mm -hmm. selecting the categories oh. and the, one of those categories is other account issues. Is that the one you select or is there a different one that you use? You know, that usually that's, yeah, usually that's the one that we, we, we um, select and sometimes we do other ones as well, but mainly that's the main one that we work with. Okay. So uh, if you want to do your own thing, then you just go to help and then select other account issues. And then that's where you, and as far as uh, escalation, what is the method to escalation? Something you put in the subject line or the email, because there is no email address. You're not sending an email to anybody, right? Or you're sending it through the form. We usually send it through the form, but there'll be other times, once again, outside of the form that we will send direct emails to escalation departments that won't be done in through Seller Central. So it just depends on the situation, depends on the response back that we get, or if we don't get a response back, and then we take a look at that and say, okay, we didn't get a response there, so we maybe we need to reformat the case, and then we're going to format it and put it through this department. We think that, like there's still a high probability that we can, this department will come in and be able to remove the review. Okay. 
And uh, so this opens another question. Uh, if you are sending a straight email that's going to an email address at Amazon that you know you, you say it may be different for the uh, for different departments for mm -hmm. escalations. Who is the sender of the email? So we're we would be the sender. So I'll give you an example. So we would create a an email account that would be the the, the company name at either Celatech or at Gmail or whatever, and then we would be finding that through there, and we would we would, we would be like a representative of the company. Okay, and we're, how we're does because I remember this experience a long time ago, but um, I got suspended on Amazon, and it was really a, a, something real simple, and. Yeah. And I sent an email and I, I made a real good, as they say, plan of action and blah, blah. It was very straightforward. And yeah. I sent the email. I'm like waiting and thinking, okay, somebody's going somebody's gonna to receive this. And in a few hours, it's, this is like a no brainer. I know I'm going to be reinstated. Nothing happens yeah. all day. I wait all day. Of course, you know, I'm talking about not product, but seller. Yeah. So we are at this point, we are suspended. So uh, I come back to work the following day and I see an email. The email is an automated email. It says that an email has been received from this email address for uh, this account, but we cannot verify the authenticity of it. And unless account suspension related messages are sent by the primary user of the seller account, they cannot be authenticated. Please resend. So nobody even looked at my email. I mean, it didn't even go through the system. So my question to you is, if you are sending a, an email from the, the sender, Sellatech, your companies, <laughs> on behalf of a customer, how do they associate with a specific seller and a specific ASIN and everything. Is it in the body of the message? Yeah, so it's in the body of the message that we put that through. So we actually helped our, our clients as well being able to get, if you're suspended, to get reinstated. So we have a, a, a history of that too. We, we're just focusing on the software right now because we used to do due diligence yeah. for aggregators. And we, the, my team's been in the space for 30 plus years between everybody's experience. So we have certain you know, emails and different things that we use and techniques that we use. So in that situation, obviously you can, it would be in the bulk of the email that we would say, hey, listen, this is why we're filing the case. This is what it's for. And then, you know, if anything, if we have any pushback, then obviously there's other places that we can either get the, 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 the seller involved or there's other things that we can do to, to move it up the chain. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, this is useful. Um, I'm asking these specific questions because, you know, nothing with Amazon is, Simple when you sit down and you start to type and okay, what what am I going to put here? What am I going to put there? So it's uh, it, it, the the only constant with Amazon is change, right? And Amazon makes yeah, the decisions, exactly. and the, but that's why we have all these you know seller groups and everybody's trying to hey, what happened today? What happened yesterday? And did you hear this and hear that? And there's there's a lot of value that we're a part of a lot of those groups, so we we know the Amazon's terms of service. We know when things have changed. We know when there's certain issues or maybe new tactics or how people are getting attacked and that helps us improve the software. So we always have our ears to the, to the ground, trying to learn new things with things that are going on with Amazon because every day is a new challenge, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I tell people running a business, I should say running an operation, uh, an Amazon operation is like going into surgery. 
there isn't one doctor you deal with. Yeah. There are several specialists. And those several specialists are involved in the process. Right from the get-go, you have the lab, you have this technician, that technician, then this specialist, that specialist, and finally the doctor comes in. And so that's how it is. So the, your work is just one of those specialists. And every seller, every seller, if you, uh, you know, people listening, if you want to build a sizable operation, you better identify who your resources will be in these specific areas, uh, like removals of uh, reviews, your reimbursements, inventory gets lost, you know, things like that. So you need somebody that you trust, that you can work with. So that way, when things happen, you can go to that person and they know what they're doing. You want to know how things work, but don't follow... <laughs> these little, uh, you know, suggestions and, and then try to do things because things are constantly changing at Amazon and always get a specialist. And if you cannot do that, then get into the groups specific to the activity and do it that way. So uh, Shane, uh, one thing I want to ask you is uh, about these, you know, filing through Seller Central and then escalating to brand registry and then, escalating even further directly or whatever. Can you share with us some success uh, rates? Like what percentage of the first filing? Uh, and then if that doesn't, what is the what success? Does it drop or does it increase as you have to do more and more? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a great question. It really depends on the category. So, right, so we, we've seen obviously huge successes in like pet and supplements and makeup. Those are all items that, you know, historically somebody could go and buy and ship them to any, to Australia if they wanted to, and then they can write a review there. So, you know, we're not seeing that like on high, high dollar items. Like we have a, a, a client that's a, a break company and they're like $500. You're probably not gonna buy 10 of those breaks and send them to Australia. I and mean, it probably doesn't pencil out ROI wise, but we're smaller items and like supplements and stuff like that. That's where we see a lot of the, the fraudulent activity and things that are going on. Our success rate can be anywhere from 5% to 15%, depending on the category. And so, you know, depending on once again, supplements and the other ones, knowing that there's more aggression, there's more people attacking people, black hat type stuff. 5% is going to be on the lower end where maybe it's a unique product. There's not a lot of competitors. They're all civil with each other and it's actual reviews of people that just don't like the product or didn't have a favorable experience, which still means we can take some of those reviews down too. We just, once again, just depends on how you put those cases together and how you file those cases. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, and also for the listener's benefit, uh, I understand, obviously, this is what you do for a living. You've got a, a, a whole software system and everything that does the, provides the data piece, put it that way provides the data piece. And then your fee structure is based on success, right? Yeah, it's all performance-based. So it's we don't collect a dollar. If we file a case and, and we they come back and don't take the review down then, or remove it, then we actually don't get paid. So what we do is we do, it's a weekly billing cycle that we do. Um, and so if we file cases, which we've never filed cases and not gotten something removed, because once again, there's there's always something there, but that's the reason when we start with the 500, we know that we're gonna be able to start you know getting some reviews removed because in 500 is that sample set, we know there's gonna be either an attack or, people that said something wrong or it was an FBA refund or FBA or something like that, right? So we look at that and say, okay, we know this sample set that we should be able to take 
at least do 5% of them to get those reviews and start getting those reviews removed and heading in that right direction. Okay. All right. Great. Well, this is useful information. I mean, everything with Amazon is always data driven. So yeah. you better get your facts together before you do anything. And that That's is the just key. the beginning. Then you have to know what to do, right? So execution yeah. is just like anything else. Is it is. You can have the best data in the world, but if you're not sending it to the right departments or know how to respond to them, and you know, unfortunately, most people don't have access to hundreds of accounts and filed thousands of cases and got a big goose egg to, to understand how to do that the right way. But once again, this I hopefully my goal of today is for people to understand. Hey, don't send Amazon an emotional message because they don't really care about that. What you want to do is figure out the data, figure out what you can do to back up what your claim is, so that Amazon can look at it and make a better assessment. The more data that you have that's true, then the higher likelihood you're going to have of a review getting removed. But that's the key is really having that all together. And then also the perseverance staying on top of it, messaging them again and again if you need to. Yeah. And one thing also I can add to that, Shane, is and I've seen this over and over. Do not ask questions to Amazon. When you send an email, do not ask. Don't, don't ask, why is this happening? Why did you? Do not ask. Because they're going to tell you, if you ever get the opportunity to speak to somebody or you get a response, they will tell you. We're not supposed to tell you that. This is your listing, your seller account. You're supposed to know the answer to that. So that, then ask, present the facts, and then make a request, right? That's, that's the reason why we reference the, the, the TOS, to say, hey, we do know. We are a seller and we do know the terms of service. And that's why we're letting you know about that. Because when you, yeah. you only have so many responses to Amazon. So if you keep asking questions, there's going to be a point where they just cut you off and where they're not going to respond at all. So that's what you got to be very careful of. Most people don't know that, but it's like, well, I'm asking Amazon, they should tell me. Amazon doesn't feel like it's your responsibility. You should know that as a seller. And so that's why we reference terms of service because we know, hey, this is how to respond to Amazon. So Amazon will go, okay, they know what they're talking about. There's clearly data-driven. We can go and we can take a look at it. We can make a better decision than, hey, Amazon, go look into this or what is going on here or, hey, do this for me. They're not going to do that. Yeah. This was great, Shane. Thank you very much. You know, your timing is great because I happen to have a lot of different situations with different clients of mine. And one thing about negative, and especially with new launches, you know, when, when you launch, it's a new product, you may be a mature seller, but when you launch a new listing, you're trying to get it ranked for different keywords. And then you yeah. take one or two uh, hits that that's a big deal. So this was huge. Great. Yeah. So let's now get to know you a little bit. So tell yeah. us, where did you grow up? Take us back to the beginning. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a long time ago. I don't know if we have enough time to go back to the beginning. I'm a little older. Like the lighting makes me look a little younger, but I, I'm, an, I'm an old guy here, bud, in this, in this industry. But um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in, in Sacramento, California. I actually was born in Utah, was there for about two weeks. And, and that's a whole nother conversation between my mom and my dad. We'll, we'll have that conversation. We have a little more time. My mom jumped in her Volkswagen bug. I was raised by hippies. So she drove back to California. And I've been raised in Sacramento, California pretty much my whole life went to college in Chico and went to a number of different colleges, have been to 35 different countries, have had, like you were talking about earlier, I used to own a bar in Chico, California. I used to open restaurants. I always say that's like Shane 1.0 or like well, Shane 3.0 now. So, I mean, clearly you are an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, a, a, a typical certified risk taker, you know, opening <laughs> bars and real estate. So when did that start growing up? 
up. Like, I think the minute I came out of the womb, I, I'm like, I, I have always, I'm telling you, this is, I'll tell you a quick story. So I remember camping. This is, I was probably four years old, five years old. And we were camping, we were in Oregon. And I remember I saw this guy that was giving cans to whoever it was. It was like, I don't know, it was like a recycling thing. And I asked my mom, hey, what's going on there? And she, she's like, oh, the guy collected cans and gets money. And we're at a campground. And I'm like, there's cans everywhere. And I'm like, wait, so I can get money for those cans? And my mom's like, yeah. Well, my mom didn't realize she's like waking in the beast, right? Like I'm like, you got to, so every single one of those is cash. So I'm like waiting for my dad to drink beer so I can, you know, grab another nickel. And I started collecting cans from all of the, the, the campgrounds, which really embarrassed my mom. Cause she's like, you look like you're a homeless guy collecting cans, but I'm like, yeah, but it's money. I'm like five years old, five, five years old, five years old. And I'm collecting these cans. And I went and put them into the guy and the guy gave me whatever it was like $2 and change. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. Like, I'm just going to like leave my family. I'm just going to collect cans for the rest of my life. And I will just make money, which sounds very similar to maybe a homeless situation, but I was five years old and making money. Like it, it blew my mind. I ended up doing like lemonade stands. I would, this is another funny story. Like remember there's not a lot of these now, but like when you would get newspapers and then you'd open it up, you put your change in, I would go to every single one and see if there was change in there. And like people would leave their change. I would like underneath counters. I would like get on my, I try to grab change. And my mom's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, there's a quarter. And I'm like breaking my neck to try to grab a quarter. I've always been very infatuated with money. My mom, I remember for my birthday, we, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. She gave me a hundred dollars in ones. And I lost my marbles. Like I counted it for like a hundred times in a row. So I was like, oh my God, one, two, three, four. I was like a almost like an autistic kid. I was like so excited about this. And I lost anything money related. I've always been very, you know, interested like lemonade stands. People would come up and buy lemonade. And even to this day, like when my neighborhood, if I see any kid out there selling anything, I buy like a hundred dollars worth. I just go crazy. Cause I'm like, oh, is this muffins? I'm like, yeah. And I want to see the kid's reaction. I'll say, hey, listen, being an entrepreneur is fun. It has its ups and its downs. I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. And every kid goes, wait, so now what do I do? And I'm like, I don't need the muffins and I, I don't even need the lemonade. The thing is, is I just want you to continue to an entrepreneur. I'm telling you, you're going to have ups and downs, but you're heading in the right direction. And family members are like, why did you just give my son a hundred dollars? And I'm like, cause I want him to start off on the right foot. It's not always going to be this way, but I love the, the journey of being able to do that. Because as you said, it's a risk-taking situation. Now at five, there's not a lot of risk, but you know, if you can get them going in the right direction and, and, and show them once again, there's upsides and downsides. So uh, was it, when you say, was it the money or was it just being able to do something yourself? I think it was, I think part of it was the money, but it was the fact that if I do this, then this equals money. So it was almost like the psychology is almost like the hustle. The money is not like I was, I needed money at five years old, right? It wasn't the $2. It was the fact that all I had to do is put in some effort over here and guess what? This can equal money on this side. So it was that process. It was that hustle, I would say, that really always intrigued me because I was like, man, this is easy. Like, what happens if I collected cans for eight hours? Like, then I could make $12. Like, for me, it was like, this is incredible. Or I sit out, I make some lemonade that takes, you know, the packet cost me 25 cents. I put it in water, which is pretty cheap. Last time I checked, I swirl it up. I had a little bit of sugar in there and people are like going nuts and buying a dollar lemonade. And it really cost me like 30 cents to make or 10 cents to make. Like, I, it was interesting to me that if you had something that people want, now, obviously when you're five, it's very easy to sell lemonade because all the adults think it's cute. When I became an adult, it was a little harder, but what I had to figure out was 
How do I offer something that people really, really want? And then how do I make it so that once again, they, they keep coming back for it? And that's, you know, the SaaS product, obviously, that we built here, the service is something that is needed by every seller. So is it, so there's different pieces of this because everything goes back to the, the, the original idea. So you, you make something and with what you make, you get people to behave certain way. Yeah. So, and that ultimately gives you cash because that's the compensation. But the, the thrill there is, first of all, being able to create something that people want. That's yeah. one motivator. Yeah. The other motivator is being able to get the people to do what you want them to do. Yeah. That's the, that that's another motivator. It's it's like you suddenly because that's that kind of ends up making an impact on their lives. And this is nothing to do with really money, but it's about making an impact. So that's another thing. So being able to create something people want, getting people uh, making an impact on people. And then the third is the outcome, which is the cash. What part was the driver for you? You know, it's funny. The cash, it was the, the end of it, but it wasn't the most exciting for me. I mean, it would be like when I would know how much money I had in my bank account, but I didn't really have anything to spend money on. Like I didn't, I wasn't buying baseball. I mean, I did later on, but like it was mainly just thinking about what some people would want, getting them to react to it, getting them to purchase it, and then to actually give me money. It's like the minute that dollar hit my hand, it was like dopamine or something, right? I'm like, oh man, yeah. this is awesome. Like I made lemonade. It took me one hour. I come out here for eight hours and I walk back in the house with 60 bucks. I'm like, okay, now what can I do to make that better? Like, oh, guess what? I'm going to do an upsell, right? Now I'm going to offer muffins in lemonade, right? So now it's naturally, I've already got the money out. They give me another dollar for a muffin. Great. I know these muffins cost me 25 cents. Like I got in trouble. This is funny. So I got in trouble in like junior high for selling candy bars. Like literally I was the guy I'd go and buy them three for a dollar and I would go and, and I'd sell them to the whole, to the whole neighborhood, like literally at school. And I got in trouble with the principal. Like they're like, Hey, you can't sell candy bars. And I was like, well, you guys do like, why can't I sell candy bars? They're like, well, you, you can't do that on campus. But I'm like, but, but why not? Like you guys have a store, you guys sell candy bars. And they're like, well, because and they didn't really have a great answer for me. It's not like it isn't illegal. Like we're kids, but they're like, we just don't need 30 kids selling candy bars. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not worried about competition. They're like, no, that's not what we're telling you. We're, we're selling, you can't sell the kid. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm not worried about that. Like I have the best prices and, you know, I go to Costco and the guy's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> like, I understand. And I would like try to figure out once again, what could I do to get people to buy more stuff? Eventually for me, when I was younger, I wanted to make a million dollars. That was my big goal. Right. And so what I realized later on is it wasn't necessarily about the money. I also said, okay, if I know how to get people to buy stuff, how can I do good with that? Like, right. How can I that benefit people? And so this, what we do here, removing negative reviews, this isn't like, you know, community service by any means, but I do know that it's been a big problem with sellers. And so for me, it's like, how can I continue to do good things and help people and make the world a better place? Right. And so originally it was just making money, but now I'm like, okay, now how can this, when I, so now what I'll do is I'll tell people, how do you donate, you know, I want you to donate to a certain cause, right? Because I don't necessarily need the money. It's not a money thing for me. It's like, how can I get people to do good things and maybe not realizing something that they maybe wouldn't have already done or thought about doing? How can I get them to do something that is going to be good for the community? So I, I think about it and I just think about how to, I'm not going to say manipulate, but how do I coerce people into doing good things? And I can do that either through money or through giving back or like GoFundMe type of well, situation. Like I, 
I'm, I'm sitting here listening and trying to figure out, is it, like I said, is it coming up with something that, that people would want, uh, making an impact with what you deliver and making money? I can see that money is the least of your concern in what you're doing. And what's driving you is really um, creating something that people will want. And exactly. that's really what's driving. And I think that's what brought you here today. So it's, I mean, I, I'm always dissecting something uh, to figure out, you know, what is the driver? Because as yeah. you know, the driver, you know, you, you've got data. Why are you looking at the data? Are you looking, you're looking to find the drivers. What are the yeah. drivers? Yeah, so yeah. what I'm hearing is your driver is coming up with something that people would want. And, and and they'll pay money for it. Of course, money comes out. And in the process, whatever you're delivering, it makes an impact. And I think the work you're doing is exactly that. You you are you've found you could have done all kinds of things. And uh, what we've got at Argometrics, we've got a SaaS platform, but uh, it's nothing like this. And you 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 created something that people would want because they need the, the negative reviews gone. <laughs> Because yeah. that makes a huge impact. And of course, and also the other thing is, frankly, the, the, the fact that you don't really care about the money aspect, you made it performance-based. So that's, I mean, that's because what it was is we, we were, when we were getting attacked, when my teams, you know, for the supplement side of things, it's very frustrating. And remember my, my history, I've, I've done SEO and content marketing, and I would also work with restaurants that would get bad Yelp reviews. And I saw how much that would affect their business and like my family's business. And so I, I look at those types of things and I'm like, man, that really sucks if it's, if it's not a real review and how can we make that better? And so I really looked at that knowing that like, if we were able to help a restaurant get this Yelp review down, that makes it so people can sleep. Like that really affects our business, our core of what we do. And so, you know, sellers, it's, it, it is money, but they're also want to provide a good product. I would think most of them do. And I want, and when you start getting attacked, then it's like, oh, and you have no repercussions. There's nothing you can do except either attack back or just get more. It's just, you get in this situation where you're doing something you don't want to do. And I want to go, you know what? You shouldn't have to do that. You should, you got enough stuff to focus on as a seller, right? Just focus on your business. The negative review thing, there is an option there. Most people don't know it. And my thing was, and that's why I'll tell you, I've told clients, no, like not, you know, like I had a client, long story, an aggregate came to me. It was like, hey, we want to get rid of this product. And I looked at it, I was like, yeah, but it, I'm looking at the reviews. It looks like it's it's pretty bad. He goes, yeah, we have 3000 units. We just got to get rid of them. And I'm like, I'm not going to help you do that. Like if it's a bad product and it's not like that, you're not being taken advantage of, you're kind of taking advantage of the system. So we're not going to do that. Like I, I, I have to do ethical business so that, that would resonate with me. I don't want you selling a product that's a bad product. And you just admitted to me that it was bad. Right. Yeah. And it was a toxic product. So that was the other thing. I was like, I, I don't want any part of that. So it's not a uh, money thing. It's like, I want you to have success, but you have to be coming with the right mindset, right? From Your heart has to be in the right place. I can't have you telling, hey, I'm going to rip these people off. Can you help me? And I'm like, no, I want nothing to do with that. That's terrible. So this was great, Shane. So uh, tell us, how can people reach you? And I think you've got also something for our listeners that you want to take advantage of. So go ahead, share with us. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we actually worked out a little deal with Nick. Nick uh, decided to have me on the podcast and now he labeled me an Amazon legend, which who knew that I'm going to call my mom when I'm all done with this and let her know that I've made it to legend status. I really thought I had a few more years, but I officially graduated. So Nick, thanks for having us on. We, we actually have a deal that's exclusive with, with, for your followers, for your subscribers, is we're offering 10% off our services. 
Um, and so what we'll do is we're gonna, we've already sent you over a link. You can include that link here in this conversation and they can click on it. What they'll do is they'll get 10% off our services, which once again, can be a chunk of money. I mean, that, that's a good chunk of money. We don't offer discounts. We don't really have to. Um, once again, and so we're in a great situation, but Nick, because you had us on the podcast, we do wanna offer this to your audience. They can click on that. They can go fill out some very basic information. Um, I'll jump on a call with them, kind of show them a demo, how everything works and how we do things. And we'll just talk about next steps, about cleaning up their profile and increasing their sales and their BSR. So, you know, it's all good stuff. And uh, so share with us the URL for that. Yeah, so it's going to be Sellatech. That's S-E-L-L-E-T-E-K.com. And then that's forward slash Amazon Legends. Okay, so Sellatech.com forward slash Amazon Legends. So if you go there, just fill out the information and that will get you 10% off. Plus, um, you know, Shane's firm is going to follow up with you. And uh, outside that, if anybody wants to reach out to you, uh, anybody else who had the similar kind of experience as you did, opening yeah, bars, yeah. And restaurants and real estate. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm here to talk to all. Yeah, how can yeah. they reach? I'm here to talk to all the crazy entrepreneurs because I am definitely one of those people. You can reach out to me at Shane at Sellatech. That's S-H-A-N-E at S-E-L-L-E-T-E-K.com. You can also follow me on any of the platforms. If you go on LinkedIn, I'm just Shane Barker on there. Same thing with Instagram. Twitter, I'm having Shane underscore Barker. Um, so it's, you can check me out any one of those places. But really, the, the key is, is that, you know, you can click on that, the, the Amazon Legends link and that will get us over to you. We'll do a demo for you. More than likely, it's going to be with me because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a control freak, apparently. And I like to come in and talk with people and chat with people. And so eventually it might be somebody else. But for now, you guys actually get to have a conversation with me. Great. Thank you, Shane. This was great to have you and very valuable information. Thank you for being, being with us. Absolutely, Nick. And thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, uh, you're welcome. And this brings us to the end of our episode. I'll see you on the next one. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the episode and share it with someone you think would benefit from it too.